0: Here's the story. By the Heilig Echozimu Lublin, Rosh Hashanah was like higher than Purim. So, you know, in his base mendosh, after the davenings, and they daven their hearts out, the Hasidim would sing, the Hasidim would dance, and they would mamash go crazy with simch. a snaggit walks in. Someone who, you know, for him, Rosh Hashanah is like, oi, oi, we have to do tshuva, repent, the end is near. And he sees... Somehow he ended up there, needed a bathroom or something. He sees the Hasidim dancing and singing like crazy. And he says, Rebbe, I don't believe it. How could it be on Judgment Day? You're dancing and singing so disrespectfully. Where's the Ema? Where's the Yira? What's going on here? He doesn't understand. And the Choyzim Lublin, he sees that his question is sincere. He really, he's not just asking to be antagonistic. So he, you know, the chosid, he could see. He could see from one end of the world to the next. So he takes his holy hand and he puts it on the kippah of this holy Yid. And the Yid sees. And he sees the heavens are open and every person who's dancing and singing every chosid, they the book of life has been stamped. It says, Shmendrik, life. Yanggallah, life. Moshalah, life. life. And that's why they're dancing it seems. It seems like that's why they, now he understands why they're so happy. And suddenly he sees his own name, Moishi. And the Book of Life and the Book of Death are still open. It has yet to be decided. And he gets scared. And he says, "Oi, Rebbe, Rebbe, what do I do? What do I do to get into the Book of Life? And you guys can probably guess, how does he get into the Book of Life? Based on the title of this year? He starts dancing. So just start dancing. Get into that circle. Sing and dance. And he dances and dances and dances until he sees he's been stamped in the book of his life. And Amish, him and his whole family, were granted a year of life. It's a beautiful story. Told in this book by Shlomo Kralbach. And the question is, what does it mean? What's What's the idea of this story? Every Hasidic story is there to teach us some sort of lesson. So... I think we obviously understand that you can't just be an axe murderer, you know, steal all year long, but it's okay, I'll dance on Rosh Hashanah, and I'm good to go. I don't think that's the lesson that the, the Chayzah is trying to teach us. So what is the lesson that this story is trying to convey to us? Any ideas? It's good to be a Basimcha. Okay, it's a good start. It's good to be a b'simcha. And therefore what? Why does being Basimcha help? Shows you're confident Oh, shows you're confident, right? Okay. Bitachan, we'll talk more about that. What's your name? Yosef. Yosef. Okay, we'll get back to that in a second. Good. Any other ideas? Bitachan. It's good. Um, it's good to look at things through other people's perspective. Ah, that's a beautiful idea. I like that. I mean change perspective. Someone else, that can give you a lot of clarity. Beautiful. I like that too. Awesome. So I'm going to suggest an idea, and we're going to go with this for this year. I think the story begins and we think that they're dancing, celebrating the fact that they've been granted life. And that's why the Miss thinks that they're celebrating. And the story ends with a twist. And it, he realizes that the act of rejoicing and dancing and bitachan and celebrating actually brings you into the Book of Life. It's transformative. It can actually get you to where you need to go. Obviously, it doesn't mean you can do whatever you want as long as your dance is all good. But it means that often the first step in our tshuva process is actually that bitachon, that celebration, and that joy. And that can propel us on the path towards tshuva, tshuva me'ava. You with me? Okay, and that's the chiddish of the story. That dancing itself is a tikkun. Okay, so for the next little bit, we're going to focus on this avoida of simcha. Why is it important to be Vesimcha on Rosh Hashanah specifically, and then how we can be Not uh, very practically speaking. Okay? If we have time, I don't think we'll have time, but uh, we could talk a little bit about the specific Indian of Rikud. Um, Rikud, we know, is one of the Mlochas, uh in, in Shabbos. And uh, the Hasidic rabbis explained that Rikud is sifting, sifting away the negative. When you're dancing for Avodah uh, HaShem you can be shif- sifting away the negativity and clinging to a Parachu. But I think we'll we'll save most of that cheer for maybe some Chassid Torah. You we can we can do a Sirkus cheer or something. I live here in the old city, so maybe we'll do a, a follow up cheer just just focusing on dancing. But I want to focus specifically for the next forty minutes on joy and Rosh Hashanah and why it's so crucial for our But before we do that, I have to be balanced, okay? So it's not fair when I'm dancing; it's all about singing and dancing and chassi. The truth is, it's not so it's not so clear. Okay, there's a famous Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Bet, And the Gemara says, I guess, am a Rabbi Bayou. is trying to figure out why there's no hala on Rosh Hashanah. It's a very famous Gemara. And he says, Malachi Ashert. Why aren't we doing halal on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur like the other holidays? The The Book of Judgment is happening for all mankind and they're going to be singing and dancing, it doesn't make sense. At least according to Rav Abahu, it doesn't fit. And that is indeed why we don't halachek lishum shum. We don't uh, we don't say halal and rush hashanah. In addition, we tone down the simcha to a certain extent. So, for example, the Shulchan Aruch writes, "Tov kov tzadik ochlim Vashotim v'smeichen." We eat, we drink, we're happy. Ve'in mitanim Rosh hashanah, we don't fast. Anam lo yuchul kos but don't completely eat until uh, you're satisfied. So you won't be, you know, lightheaded and the fear of God can be on your face. Okay, so there is this balance. On the one hand, we're happy, we're singing, we have a cup of wine and Kiddush, but don't go crazy. You know, chill out. And for example, there's an Indian, uh, we know, in Rosh Hashanah, we try not to sleep as much. We try to... Have our whole day focused on Vodat Hashem. So if you don't overeat, you won't need that shop that Rosh Hashanah shlof as much. You can learn. You can you can be connected to Vodat Hashem because it is a, d- a day of din, and everything we do on Rosh Hashanah affects our entire year. So certainly there is there is an element of yira. There is an element of taking the day very very seriously. It's not all just happy clappy all day long. Do whatever you want. Right? It, it's not perm. At the end of the day, however, we also find within our sources. Um, like things that take us the other direction. And say, actually, don't be too serious and dance and sing. Not in of those exact words. But where's the first reference to Rosh Hashanah? Not in Chomish, but in Tanakh, as far as I know. Anybody guess? It's a tough question. Here's another follow-up trivia question. Where's the first reference to Mishloach Manos in, in Chomish? In, in, in Nach, I'm sorry. In Nach? You would think so. There is a hidden allusion to Purim and Miguel's Esther, but that is actually even before it, for it in the book of Nehemiah. It's a really interesting story in the eighth chapter of Nehemiah. Jewish people come back to Yerushalayim and they don't know anything, and they start reading the Torah on Rosh Hashanah, and they start crying. And they're all crying. We eat fatty foods, drink sweet drinks, send gifts to one another. The day is very holy and you need to be joyous. And so they went, they made joy and they sent Mishloch Manos one to another. Very interesting. Which is one of these also I really enjoy hosting, especially on Rosh Hashanah, because it's really the first day when we're meant to feed each other and dance with each other and celebrate with each other, biblically speaking. In other words, each generation has to take the, the pendulum, and, and the sages of each generation have to understand what's best for their generation. Do we focus more on Yura, or do we focus more on Simcha? So in Nehemiah's generation, he understood that that generation was sad and they needed Simcha. And we needed to stress that aspect of Rosh Hashanah. Whereas perhaps in other generations, they said, okay, let's not go crazy, we need to have some Yura. Okay, but they're both MS. You know, is, is, is Rosh Hashanah happy? Is a happy day? Is it a serious day? The answer is yes, it's both. But the question is, what does our generation need, in, or our community? And here in Eretz Charles, specifically, you'll see in yeshiva, bezarat Hashem, and and certainly many Chasidim take this path too. The stress for our generation is dafka simcha, is to focus more on the joyous aspect of Rosh Hashanah. Although both are both are completely there. Okay, you with me so far? And there's space for both. In other words, you can have part of your davening where you're sad and not sad, but you're serious and you're begging and you're crying and taking it very, very seriously. And you can also have a part when you're singing and joyous afterwards. Man, they're not mutually exclusive. In fact, we find this concept by tefillah itself. The Gemara in Brachas asks, where do we know davening from? How do we know we have to take davening seriously from? Right? In Tes, And gives four answers. And the final answer of the Gemara is Gilu bir'ada. Rejoice with trembling. Okay? That's davening. That's the essence of davening. You have to have rejoicing, which is tefillah. But it also has to be done with seriousness. You need to find the, the perfect balance of taking things seriously. But when you take things really seriously at the end, there's that sweetness, there's that dancing, there's that joy. Okay, so this is a, all of Yiddish is like this, but uh, Rosh Hashanah is a great microcosm of this concept. Are you with me? Okay, so again, we're going back to why should we be besimcha on Rosh Hashanah and how how do we actually get there? So in order to answer, I'm going to tell you another story. Because I like stories. Okay? And most of these stories are from this beautiful saver or by Rif Shlomo Karba, which is like, gets my, this is my Avodah Sashem book. Uh, actually, I'm translating it as we speak, and it's an amazing saver. So, there's a certain story that, forgetting the name, but one of the Hasidic Rebes used to stay, tell his whole Kehillah, oh Rebbe Mikuvrin. Rebbe Mikuvrin used to tell this story before Tia's Shofar every single year. And it goes like this. There's A czar in Russia. And one day, they find there's a plot against the czar. And nobody knows. And they find out it was the son of the czar. And the son was trying to kill the czar. So against his will, the father is forced to put a death penalty on his son. Okay. And he loves the son. But what can you do? You can't let people make rebellions against you, right? So the son... He wants to ask for a, you know for a Chanina for a, you know like to get off free, but you know, he, he did try to kill his dad. So he goes in front of his dad and says, "Please, please, let me just have one meeting." So his father says, "Okay, but son, I can't give you a potter. You, like like you, you you did what you did. I'm sorry." And the son says, "No, you don't understand. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm just asking one thing. You know they're going to take me in front of hundreds of thousands of people to be hung, right? To make a, an example out of me." I'm just asking, please, let me scream. Yehi Adonai HaMelech, long live the king. Let me scream it with all my lungs before I die. Give out. And of course, the king falls to tears and he gives him a tour And he really loves his son. He says, ah, if that's what you really care about, okay, we're going we're gonna to let you go. We're going to get you off free. So what's the lesson of that story? What are we supposed to learn from this mashal? What's the mashal what's the nimshel for our Avoda Hashem coming Rosh Hashanah? What do you guys think? same with us and Hashem. Same with us and Hashem, yeah. And bring it back to Rosh Hashanah. Because we've, we've sinned all year. We've got against the king and now we're going to be hung. We're going to scream out, "Long live Hashem. We're, exactly. we're going to know him as king. Exactly. Canvah. Beautiful, Exactly. So this, truth is, when you look in the machzer itself, <laughs> this is really the focus of our tefillahs. I'm sure you guys have seen. It's all about, as, as Chabad calls it, uh, coronation day. To be mam lecha Kadosh Baruch Hu, to put the king crown on his head. Right? And a little bit, what we're trying to do on Rosh Hashanah is forget ourselves. It's not me, I'm not common anymore. I'm part of Am Yisrael. Right? When you unite as one body, as one soul, as part of this thing called Am Yisrael, then, then, I don't even care about me anymore. And all I'm concerned about is blowing the shofar, saying, and just, Hashem's the king, Hashem's the king. And that's all I'm really focusing on. I'm trying to leave myself, and I hope you guys have in a moment. Maybe you've already experienced this in your life, if you have, and I hope this year you really have this, where you're just like, I don't even exist. I'm just an angel singing to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. You know, for me, it's like when you get up to me, okay, that niggin, you know, in Kedusha or, or whatever, and and if you've got a strong menin, you guys have the best menin in the world, you're just in a different world. You're an angel singing to a Shem, nothing else matters. And apparently... Teach of the Rebbe is that that Avodah of, of being Vivato myself, my Pratias, and becoming part of Am Yisrael, that itself achieves the tikkun and can nullify and sweeten the judgments for Am Yisrael. So, the, the first way that we can get to this place of, of true simcha is being nullifying, doing this bitel, and just trying to become one with Am Yisrael and coronate a kadashbar. You with me? Everybody good so far? Sounds good. Not an easy avodah, not an easy thing to do, but if you look in the Siddur, that that is a big avodah uh, that we're trying to do in our tefillahs throughout the day. And, you know, that's also the language. The tour brings down a very, very famous uh, tour, which says, (laughs) Amrachachmin al-Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Who is a great nation that is so close to God? (laughs) What an amazing What an amazing nation! Adam a normal person he dresses in black he has a long beard he doesn't cut his nails he doesn't know what's going to happen. we get dressed in our finest we are so confident going in and we're happy. Because we know that God's going to make a miracle for them. So if you're mediac in the language, what's it saying? For me as an individual, I'm not sure. I'm scared about my din. But for me as Am Yisrael, when I meet with the Klal Yisrael, the Klal Yisrael always has a good a good Zardin on them and as long as I'm nullifying myself becoming one with the nation I'm in good hands and that's what that act of dancing and singing getting in that circle of the Choyzum Luglin is doing I'm be- becoming one with the nation and the avoida is beginning in Rosh Hashanah and it's ending at that atarit Lodat in Simcha's Torah when you're mamish mamish, you know becoming one through all the avoida of, 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 of Tara of Yom Kippur of Sukkot and you Mamish feel the, atah, the, the the oneness of HaMisrael you with me so far? good? beautiful amazing Okay. Bezrat Hashem. So um, two five time maybe three uh, more uh, stories. Flash paths to get us to that simchadic place on uh on Russia Okay. So there's a pasuk. We all know this pasuk, we all love this pasuk. It's also a great Yonatan Razel song, anybody you know. And the pasuk is, and as for me, bechastecha b'tachti. I trust in Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I be'tochon in a Baruch Hu. I'm going to rejoice with a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Ashir Hashem I'm going to sing to a Kadosh Baruch Hu because He has been very kind to me. Okay beautiful pasak, and it's not like I was just tr- telling you before about the plural it's about me so I can't give you that whole you know Yisrael shtick. it's about me I'm confident that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to save me before anything has happened Amalch, before the, the din has gone out I have in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and the question is why why is it that just trusting that it's all going to be good, good somehow makes it all good maybe it won't be good Maybe I sin this year and, you know, the, the, the judgment is going to be bad and I have to go through some terrible pains. And, so how can I be so confident that it's all going to be good? I mean, maybe it won't be good. So how do we understand this? What does it mean? Just trust, trust in Hashem, throw your lot upon a HaKadosh Barclay, as WMLF says, and it's all good. Like, why? Why should I do that? Maybe it's not true. How, do we, how can we be honestly just trust that it's all going to be good? What do you guys think? Any ideas? How does, how does David Melech make, make any sense? Just have bitachon and it's all good. Think good and it's all good, like says. But why? How does that work? Good kasha, right? It's good kasha. So first of all, not everyone agrees that think good and you're gonna see that it's good in this life. Okay, the Chazanish writes a beautiful book, Imun and Bitachon, and the Chazanish explains That bitachem, in his opinion, does not mean to be stupid. Bitachem doesn't mean you're always going to see the results in your life turn out good. Like I have a big test coming up. I have my oral exam uh, for my uh, tour guide test in a few weeks. I don't have to study. I don't have to do anything. I'll just learn Gemara all day and I'll trust in Hashem. It's fine because if I trust in Hashem, it'll all be good. So the Chazanish would say, no, you got to study. You've got to study for that test. You've got to do your eshtad. You can't just assume just through bitachon. And even if you study, the truth is, you might fail. Right? There's, no, there's no guarantees in this life. So then what? So what is bitachon? So the Indian is, and this is explained by the Shlach Kadosh, that it's emunah v'bitachon, meaning to say, we trust that Gamzul the tova." We trust that everything's from the good. We trust that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is good, that he loves us, that every single thing that happens to us is for the good. Does that mean that I'm gonna see that I, the, the results of that good in this life? Not necessarily, right? I'll ask the girl out or she'll say yes or she'll say no. I don't know. She'll, but I know that it's for the good. I know if she says yes, it's good. And I know if she says no, it's good. Why? Because of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. And if he wants it to be no, then it'll be no. And maybe you no know, will be painful for me, but in the bigger picture, in this heavenly world, God, who has all the accounts, and this world is only a tiny pit of piece of that picture, we we trust that it's all for the best. Okay, so the first level is we're dancing and singing and celebrating on Rosh Hashanah because we are expressing our emuna that it's all for the good. Whether we will see that good in this world, we certainly hope so. But we're expressing our our, our attitude that we believe that it's all for the good. You with me? You following? Okay. And I think that approach helps a lot of people deal with this issue of Bitach. There is, a, there is an alternative approach. There is an opposite approach and you see this in other Hasidic sources like Rabbi Nachman in particular and stories like this. And a, it actually is not just Rabbi Nachman. You find this in many sources. I have a source from Rabinu Bahya even Kuda, wrote a beautiful book on Bittach. It's a great book. And he writes, uh, one quote, in the 14th century, he writes, One who trusts in Hashem, is rewarded by being carried high above <clears throat> affliction, even when it is benefiting, befitting for such affliction to befallen. So in other words, not what I was saying before. I actually deserve to be punished by a Baruch Hu. But somehow that on that trust that it's all for the good, puts some sort of protective uh, um, you know, bubble upon me, and it can't touch me. It, I, I'm shielded off from the negative forces. It's almost like, yes, you will pass that test. Just have Bitochan in the Maybe you're still you're established, but at the end of the day, the Bitochan itself, will, you will see the results in your own life. It teaches Rabbi Nebachia and, uh, and Rabbi Nachman, and if you really believe in it, you'll see the results. And, and again, why? why? How does that work? So I'll offer you one, one idea um, by Rabbi Tzvi Freeman. He's a modern-day rabbi, and I really like uh, the way he expresses himself. look him up on the Internet, and he says like this, Jewish optimism doesn't create or even attract anything new. What he's referencing, maybe you guys have heard of it, is the law of attraction. There's this concept that it, you just think positive and the, the universe brings uh, a positivity into your life. It's a very retro, cool thing in California, where, which everyone talks about nowadays. And he, he's saying it's not exactly that. It's not just think good and you bring the good towards yourself. Whether it's a little different. It pulls back the blinds opens up the windows, and allows the light of day to shine in without distortion. God's good, and there's only one of him. And therefore, all that happens must be essentially good. Our faith that this is so allows it to be visibly so. Okay, so let me just say that again. In other words, we're all sitting in a dark room. When we're sad, we are blocking ourselves off, okay? Of course, there are times when we're down and it's natural to be down. That's obviously part of Avodah HaShem sometimes too, but when we lock ourselves in this room of darkness, when we could e- easily open it up when we're ready, we're, we're blocking ourselves from the light flowing in. And all we're doing by having Bitachon, by being optimistic, is opening up the, the blinders, opening up the windows, letting the shining light of a Baruch Hu flow through into our lives. Okay? And that's the Avodah of Bitachon that when you express that confidence that it's all good, it's going to be good, it's about Hashem that actually creates an energy and allows that light of Akash Baruch to flow into your life. Okay, we, we good? We happy so far? Amazing. Okay, so I want to share two final uh, path, directions towards Simcha and Rosh Hashanah and all of life. Sounds good? Okay, amazing. And this is a, a topic I'm pretty passionate about, I actually teach a course called the Simcha Seminar and it's all like a you know eight week seminar about different I'm giving you guys a, a short version and I actually changed my last name at one point in my life to Besimcha I don't go by it anymore but it's something that I, I feel pretty passionately about that it's really important towards everyone is Hashem so I'm, tr- I'm trying to give you guys my heart here okay one more muscle and then a personal story did I tell you guys this story last week? I don't know, either way I'm going to tell this because it's an amazing story and of course it's also a mashup from, from Rosh Hashanah uh, it's Sikhs that he gave at Yakar, uh shul and it's translated it's Rabbi Zivan who lives in Svat. I can give you his number if you want to go for Shabbos and I translate his books with us. and I work with him to translate into English anyways so um, if you guys want to have one on sukis a few after which we can be in touch anyways that was a good commercial um so here's the story here's the story and it's very very easy Hebrew also if you want to like like work on your Hebrew and it's like not too challenging it's amazing it's safer tarif they sell it in the bookstores you can find it all over um so why are we happy in Russia? Hashanah it's like this there's a yeshiva bacher. there's a kota bacher, and it's you know not in the beginning of the era, but you know Hanukkah time he leaves the old city for the first time and uh, he goes to Ben Yehuda one night on Friday. It was Friday. He was shopping at the show, Karif Shabbos. So, you, 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 good come on. True story. I actually never left. When I was in Yeshiva, Meshana Aleph, I, didn't, I had not left the old city until about, like, Hanukkah time. It was like, it was Brilliant. crazy. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, for real. Corona. For real. I don't know. It was a weird. I was a weirdo back then. Yeah. I ditched the, the trips. I was, I was very intense back then. I was in the Israeli, I was just like, that was it. But then I, I, I calmed down, I chilled down. Anyways, so Hanukkah time. And he's on Ben Yehuda by Rebar. And, you know, he sees this girl by Kofix. And he's just like, that's my soulmate. For sure. I don't have a class, you know. And, you know, he goes over to her. They have an amazing, deep conversation for like two minutes. And... He's, that's his it, soulmate, it's for sure. You know, and Gemara says, you gotta get married by 18, so he's pretty serious. Goodbye. And he's about to get her, her Facebook, you know, name, and psh, there's like a swarm of seminary girls. And they like, you know, split the sea. and she has curfew, and she's gone. You know, and he runs to the light rail, and he can't get in, and he can't find her. He's running, and like, just... And he doesn't know what to do, he doesn't have her name, Starts asking around all the seminaries. He doesn't even know which seminary she's in, and he's looking. He's looking for a day. He's looking for a week. He's looking for a month. Wherever he goes, he goes to the tachanai. He's putting up signs. He's asking. He can't find. Every Shabbos meal, he's looking for. He can't find her. And a month passes. A year passes. Years pass, and never found the girl. And one day, he's on his scooter. He's scootering to his basketball game in Ganapamoon, and he he forgot to bring a helmet. And he gets called over by the police. And this is his third time that he's been caught without a helmet. And he's really scared because he get a big fine and he doesn't have the money to pay for it. And now he has to go to the Israeli court and he's really in big trouble. And he doesn't know what to do. He thinks of a whole, he was going to, you know, deliver a, a baby. He works with Maginda David He has a whole plan. He dresses in his finest and, he, and he's really, really nervous. But judges, Judgment Day is coming and he, he could lose his scooter license and it's really bad. And he comes into court, we know what's going on. and guess who he sees? Who is the judge? The probably, judges? Probably bit, yeah. it's the girl. It's Sprinzela. Really? Sprinzela. Yes. Yeah. And what does he feel at that moment, Astro Shlomo? What does he feel? Does he feel scared? Does he feel like it's Judgment Day? Oh no! She probably doesn't even work. But what's he feeling? What do you, What would you be feeling at that moment? Baruch Hashem. you a little nervous, anxiety, right? But at the end of the day, he's so happy. So excited. Why? Because he's found the girl. Ah, oh, So that's the Masha. What's the nimf, Shom? God. God and Rosh Hashanah. The Pasuk says, Dear Shor Hashem, Bihim So, Sir, Get you out HaKadosh Baruch Hu when he's close. And the Midrash says, When are the days when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is close? The days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. These are the days of special divine closeness or HaMelech Basadeh. As Chassidus teaches, these are the days where the ability to feel the close of Hashem, to do tshuva, and to reignite our love of Kadosh Baruch Hu is so, is so easy, is so simple. And that's the whole avoda of these days. In fact, it explains from Nevin in his Sefer that we usually think of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur as the main avoda of these days. But the truth is, it's Sukkot. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are purifying our hearts, doing tshuva, reconnecting Kadosh Baruch Hu, so that we can get to serving Hashem with simcha, the avoda of of Sukkot, right, of truly serving Hashem, but we take away those barriers by doing tshuva, and these are the times we can reignite that relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. that girl that we thought we lost, maybe we sinned and we messed up, not you guys, but other people, and we felt disconnected from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. and Rosh Hashanah in particular, it's like all the gates of heaven are open, and we can mamish, just reignite our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, our best friend, our soulmate forever, and 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 get that relationship going again, and that's the true simcha for, of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. It's it's re beginning that relationship, that conversation with the Kaddish Barhu and getting back our soulmate who is the Kaddish Baruch Hu. You guys, get it? You like the Marshall? Tell you, you, you know, tell it to some seminary girl about the rover tonight. You know, something like that. Wait, them. Were they soulmates in the story? What? Were they actually soulmates in the story? Did they get married? Uh, I, the story ends. The story ends. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know. He goes to jail. <laughs> No, I think I think if she's a nice girl, she'll let him off. Come on, stop. <laughs> okay, one last story. One last one last maize, And this one, this one's this one's a personal story. I have until seven thirty. Is that the seven twenty? I don't know what. Yeah. Okay. good. Okay. So one last story. It's a personal story. Okay. So um, about I think uh, eleven years ago, I worked as a madrich at Rishit, and I was learning the safer back then. And I picked up a certain um, a certain piece here which like really moved me. Let me find it for you. And it's talking about um Shlomo's experience with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Okay? Let's see if I could find it for you guys. Um, what was it like to be by the Rebbe on the night of Rosh Hashanah? Okay? I think it's here. Oh little Rosh Hashanah, let me read it to you inside a little. What I saw with my own eyes, and the Rebbe, Rishon was like the right hand man for many years to the Rebbe. Actually, the Rebbe made Rishon an outreach person, a kiryev man. It was through he was a shliach for the for many years, so he was very close, and he saw with his own eyes the following: If they started davening at eight, he he staima be'erach be-staim belayla. They finished davening at two in the morning. It wasn't just he was crying from here to there. One long cry for six hours. The Rebbe thought about every Jew lived in his generation. Maybe not in his generation. Who know how many thousands of Jews' souls he fixed in that one night? Right? mani za khat fida ani amir lahom apanim shalo ayam mirot kmo apanim shalo rosho bmo sharabeno k sirad me harsinai his face was shining like mo sharabeno when he got down from harsinai ekhwa everyone who came to him after those 6 hours of crying he was shining with joy earlier in the sefer, almost spoke about How the Arizal says it's a very big, big thing to to cry on Rosh Hashanah. How you fix your soul when you cry on Rosh Hashanah. It's really, really good for the Neshama to cry cry on Rosh Hashanah. So I read that story, and I was moved. And I said, I want to cry on Rosh Hashanah. I want to be like the Rebbe. Maybe not six hours straight, but a little bit, a little bit, I want to get to these tears. So I was thinking to myself, how do we do that? How do I get to cry? So first of all, I thought, well, I have a lot of people to daven for. Just like the Rebbe, right? If I think about it. You know, I used to daven in a shul in Nachloth, uh, R- R- Raz's shul, Raz Hartman, and it's filled with singles. And I used to literally just walk, look around in my Shmon and just like, I need daven for him, I need daven for him, I need daven for her. And it's like, sometimes you just look around the people, and there's endless amount of people who need davening for. And I was trying to, like, like the Rebbe, a little bit, daven for everybody that I could. Okay, so that's one way. Maybe, maybe that will help some people to just daven for your friends. That's one way. If the Rebbe was doing it, maybe I have a headset to do it too. But then I read one more piece in Rosh Lomo and it gave me a different idea of how I can get to, to true tears. True, true and, and, and Rosh Lomo says like this. What's the Avoda of, of, of Rosh Hashanah? Tzadikim gemurim. We all know that a, a, a total tzadik, a complete tzadik is stamped immediately la chayim, to life. So what's a tzadik gamer? How do you become a tzadik gamer? Who can really say that they're a tzadik gamer? What about the rest of us? No. Those people who truly believe. Despite the fact that we don't deserve a thing. Despite the fact that we don't deserve anything, God's still going to give me a good year. If a person thinks to himself, I deserve a good year, look at me, I'm so great. And he doesn't deserve it. Because Zadikim understand that they don't deserve anything. We understand that God is going to give us good, not because we deserve it. Despite the fact that we don't deserve it. No, I, I don't deserve it, but Gavalt, he's my father, and he loves me, and he's a loving father. And so I realized, despite the fact that I don't deserve, deserve a thing, he's going to have mercy upon me, he loves me. And in this chus of recognizing that it's all chesed chinam, that all of life is a gift from a Kaddosh and that he's constantly renewing our life out of his eternal love for us, his eternal ava, so when you, the more you tap into that avoida, the more the gates of bracha are opened up for you. Again, I'm not saying, that we should be putting ourselves down. We should, we should be bringing ourselves up and, 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 and focusing on the good that we've done this year. And definitely it's a big avoda to be thinking of all the good things that we've done in our vodah sashem and in all the ways that we've been growing. But still, a true tzaddik understands that ultimately the good that we have in our life is totally from the chesed of a kaddish baruch. Okay, it's not because we deserve it, but despite the fact that we don't deserve it, Hashem still is so kind and loving and giving towards us. Okay, so for some reason that thought just brought me to a certain like revel- revelation. I don't know a chiddush, and I said I have to thank Hashem. If life is all good, and it's Rosh Hashanah, it's the beginning of my year. I need to look back at my year and thank Him for all the good that He did for me this year. This is the day that I gotta reflect on all the blessing that I have in my life. Okay? So you're with me? So that's the, the idea that came to my head. And Erev Rosh Hashanah, I spent my day writing out a list. Uh, this was good, and that was good, and this was that, and this was that. And I just like literally, month by month, holiday by holiday, I just wrote down a hundred things that I had to thank Yetzirah for. I made a big list, remember? And at the end of my Shmona Esrei, I just, you know, talked to Hashem. And you know, I didn't get the tears through asking Hashem for stuff. I didn't even get the tears for davening for other people, I'm ashamed to say, but I got to the tears, real tears, through thanking Hashem, through the Akara Satov. Later I saw, there are other rabbis who say this is, or uh, Vigdor Miller says this is also an evoter to be done in Rosh Hashanah, but at the time that was just like, I need to thank Hashem for the chesed chinam, for the endless kindness that he's doing for me. And I'm thanking, and thanking, and thanking, and I finish my Shmon Esrei and I'm Amish, I'm red, and I go to the bathroom in Reishas, and I wash my eyes off, and I take a breather, whatever. And you know, they're already at the end of the meal, they're in their dessert. And uh, I go down to find some kiddish. And watch, listen to the end of the story, it's pretty crazy. So, uh, so, my friend Chesky, he's a student of mine. At the time, I was his Madrid, whatever. And Chesky says, Yo, Keith, what's the deal with crying in Rosh Hashanah? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I'm just like, I, like, look in the mirror, like, does he see something? And I'm like, why? Did you see something? Because, like, no one was there in the base medrash. They had all, like, long finished their And He's like, no, it just, just came to me. I'm really curious. I'm like, that's pretty weird that you asked me that question right now. Okay. So after we ate a little bit, I take him up to the base medrash, opened up some of Shlomo, showed him this piece, and so when you cry, your tears don't go down, your tears go up to the heavens. And we learn about the Indian of crying, the avoid of crying. And the Nachman and broken, broken heart leads to, leads to a, a fixed heart, Givat. So we have this beautiful learning after the meal in Rosh Hashanah. Right after that, okay, and I'm already, well, oh, that's crazy. I'm crying tears of gratitude, and he asked me about tears. Henry, Henry comes out to me. Henry's a sweet kid. He's a sweetheart. He's like a teddy bear. And he says, yo, Keith, I got a question. You know any books about davening? And I'm like, that's so weird. He's never asked me for a book before. And my favorite topic is davening my whole life since high school, I always loved learning books on davening, you know, and I love teaching about davening. It's my favorite topic. I'm like, that's pretty crazy. So yalla, let's go. We went down to the library at It's this huge, beautiful library, and I'm looking through all this book, mm, that's too philosophical, this, that, and I find the perfect book, touched by a story, and uh, it's a story book. It's perfect, because Henry's like a story type of guy. He'll be the shots. He'll, you know, he'll love it, it'll be great. And I'm so thankful that Hashem sent me the right book. And I'm like, all right, you know, it's time to go to bed, but uh, let's open up the book. One story, you know. So open up the book, and well, this is the story that Hashem sends me. It's a late night at the Koso. And already I'm like, Koso, that's crazy. That's my favorite place. Saddam like, oh, in the Koso. Oh my God. And someone's crying. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Crying, oh my God. that's And this American guy comes up to me and says, why are you crying? Maybe you've heard this story. He says, no, 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 don't worry. No. He says, No, really, I came from America specifically to help someone out. It's a late night at the Coastal. I want to help you out. I want to give you a donation. Let me let me help you. And the man says, no, no, you don't understand. I'm not tearing. I'm not crying tears of sadness. I'm, tearing. I'm crying tears of joy. I just married my seventh daughter off or something that and I'm so happy and I came to the Kotal to just thank Akadosh Baruch Hu and that's the story that Akadosh Baruch Hu sent me on the night that I just had this you know chidish to, to thank Akadosh Baruch Hu, and it was just like too much to handle at the time I was like whoa I don't even know how. I, I, I just blew, blew my mind but thank God 11 years later I I'm pr- pr- processed it a little bit and I, I really feel like if I could give you guys one piece of advice from this whole year, we'll do a quick review in a minute of what everything that the all the ideas. But one piece of advice to take from this year is: starting tomorrow or tonight, if you have some time, just take a pen, take a notebook, and just start going through your year. Write down all the things that you're grateful for. Right? If you had a good year, if you had a bad year, the truth is that, that year was very hard for me. I really wanted to get married. I was struggling. It wasn't an easy year for me, but. If you, once you start tapping into how much there is to be thankful for, from your eyes to your brains to your every breath, the act of being makir, the toiv, brings out the, the joy and that brings out your, the bitachan that this next year is going to be even more blessingful. And in this chos, the Sefer Chinech writes, of our gratitude, Hashem says, oh, you're being grateful? You're taking Rosh Hashanah. to be thankful? I want to send you more bracha, I want to send you more shefa. And Bezrat Hashem, it's just a beautiful cycle of gratitude and more bracha and just a, a whole life of, of simcha. Because there's always so much to be thankful for if we open up our eyes and verbalize uh, that gratitude. And I would recommend everybody do it every single Shimon Asshu. Don't just wait for Rosh Hashanah. You know, every day, take some time and say one thing at the end of your Shimon that you're, you're, you're grateful for. Uh, but at least on Rosh Hashanah, make sure you have you take some time to be grateful to Paredes Baruch Bezrat So let's just quickly review, and then we'll sing our last simcha l'artzecha. We opened up asking if it's a happy day or if Rosh Hashanah is a serious day. And we answered, yes, it's both. And both are emes. We need to do both avodas. But I wanted to focus specifically on the avodah of simcha, on Rosh Hashanah. And um, and we we gave a few different paths as to how to get to this avodah of simcha. Right? We started off suggesting that it is through being... Mitbatel yourself to the cloud. Right? You're all going before Karashbaraku with one arm one one nation together and coronating the king, losing, being doing bitto, nullifying your ego, and just being Mamlacha through the Tfilos, and that is certainly one uh, one big aspect of the day. And we, we also mentioned that there is an idea of not getting carried away in the Simcha if it's, if it's going to be done in a way that's going to take you away from the serious avodas Hashem of the day, but we then noted of course the Hasidic story telling us that we dance ourselves into the, into the Book of Life that the act of Bittachon the act of amuna uh, in a Baruch who actually opens up the blinders and allows the blessing and the Shefa to come into our, our life and dances us into the Book of Life we gave them beautiful Mashal, uh, and Ben Yehuda, about how we're really celebrating our relationship with the Kaddosh Baruch Hu, which is being renewed every Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And that's the real joy of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And I gave a final uh, piece of advice uh, about uh, you know how to make this practical, is just to be grateful and to verbalize your gratitude, look through your, your year, and in addition to all the tshuva and the reflections and the introspection that we need to do, just thank the for all the blessing that we've had. Everybody good with that? Any of you guys open to actually doing that this Rosh Hashanah? And, you know, making time to think, yeah, you're good? Okay, amazing. If you guys want, you're welcome to join our little WhatsApp group for our little Sunday Chibura where we strengthen each other. And if you do the avoid of the practical homework, you get a smiley face. And if you do it, three times during a week, you get a sticker. There's a little chart over there. You get a sticker. Right there. That doesn't matter. Right, right, right there. there. we go. You get a sticker, which, which is what? Uh, there's homework the last two weeks of saying a bracha with Tavona and eating with holiness. And this this class homework is to thank a Kaddish Baruch Hu on Rosh Hashanah or every single day at the end of your Shemona eser. Is that good? And we'll end with uh, a final sin- a song, a tefillah, we should have a year full of simcha and bracha for all of Am